Hi, everybody, and this is Locked On Nittany Lions, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And yes, we continue talking some Penn State sports with you right here on this Friday, April 3rd, 2020. We have come to the end of another week, and hopefully we're going to get that light at the end of the tunnel pretty soon. But until then, I'm Kevin McGuire, your host here, reminding you to make sure you are subscribed on all your favorite podcasting apps of choice, including iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and uh, Google Play. <laughs> that was the other one. And of course, if you are subscribed, please consider leaving a rating and a review it does help us out moving forward with the podcast and we genuinely appreciate your feedback we want to know what you have to say and we also want you to be a part of the show so make sure you send in your questions send in your comments at any time and we'll include them in our next recording and the best way to do that is by following us on twitter at locked on nittany check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash locked on nittany and we also have a youtube page where we're going to be uploading some video clips on in audio form or audio clips in video form very soon as well so just go to youtube search for locked on nittany lions so we've got a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode penn state athletic director sandy barber met with the media on thursday so we'll kind of touch on some of the points that she had to discuss as uh, penn state continues forward in an uncharted waters as everybody else is around the country we're also going to take a look back at a, a what if question I have about a previous season, kind of getting you set for some of the shows that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. And we are going to wrap up our saying nice things about Big Ten teams by today, taking a look at the Ohio State Buckeyes. So here we go, guys. Let's get this episode started. As you no doubt have seen, if you're just sitting at home on any given night and you're just searching for some kind of sports fix, a lot of networks have been resorting to playing some classic games. I know here in the Philadelphia area, we've got NBC Sports Philadelphia that's been showing some classic Philadelphia sports games. Uh, just last uh, the other night, I watched the 2007 NL East Division Championship clinching game for the Phillies. They've shown some classic Sixers games, some Flyers games. They're, I guess they're going to show some Eagles games at some point. I don't know if they have the rights for that, but also networks like ESPN and of course Big Ten Network they're all getting in the mix and showing some classic games from years past and on Thursday night ESPN launched their first series of classic college football games that they're going to be uh, going back and reliving with a look at the 2006 Rose Bowl between the Texas Longhorns with Vince Young and coached by Mac Brown taking on Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, and Pete Carroll's USC Trojans, who at the time were the defending national champions, and they were the number one team in the preseason polls all the way up until that Rose Bowl, which of course had one of the classic endings in Rose Bowl history, in BCS history, and really in college football history, with Vince Young dashing into the end zone to give Texas a late lead on the Trojans. Uh, they were a seven-point underdog in that game, despite how good that Texas team was. They were number two all season long. And the reason I bring this up today is because you know, we're getting ready on the podcast network, the Locked On Podcast Network, to kind of go back and look at some of the best seasons in franchise history or in our case, school history. Uh, we're going to be doing this over the next couple of weeks, and I think we're going to have some fun with it. And of course, that 2005 season was a pretty special one for Penn State. And I couldn't help but think about what could have been if Penn State were to get through that 2005 season without taking that one loss, that one painful loss against the Michigan Wolverines. That was a tremendous storybook season in many respects 
for Penn State. Uh, you know, that, that was a team that really battled back. That was the team that came together. And, of course, we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. But that was the team that brought Penn State football back from what had been a really dark couple of years on the field. And, uh, you know, that was the kind of uh, Joe Paterno at the time kind of striking back and saying that he can still coach a little bit and he can put together a winning team. You remember that Penn State team, that was a pretty good team. But if you look at the preseason top 25, they were nowhere to be found. And that's because they had a couple of really rough years. So you look at the preseason rankings that year. USC was the preseason number one as a defending national champion with 61st place votes, followed by the Texas Longhorns. And USC and Texas would go one and two from start to finish that season. And then, of course, Texas would end the year at number one. But Penn State had to work their way up. You know, we all remember that season very fondly, especially if you had a chance to live it, I should say. You know, it took Penn State a couple of games to get into the mix, and it's going to be fun looking back at that season. But, of course, uh, the big game was the victory against Ohio State. They only had one loss in the regular season. That was on the road against uh, the Michigan Wolverines, uh, ending the year 11-1 uh, overall. Uh, of course, this was the team that went on to the Orange Bowl and played that uh, classic overtime thriller against Bobby Bowden in Florida State. Uh, kind of still wish it was Virginia Tech at that time because Virginia Tech was the better team. Uh, but Florida State managed to get into that Orange Bowl. So Penn State had climbed up to, what was it, number, number eight, I think, after they beat, Penn, or beat Ohio State in that epic game. And then a week later... Uh, they go on the road in Michigan. They lose that game 27-25, to 25, Mario Manningham and all that good stuff. Uh, still have nightmares about that one. Uh, so that was their one loss. That was one road loss against a Michigan team that wasn't all that great. Uh, they were unranked at the time that they played Penn State and, of course, beat Penn State. And they lost by two on the road. But they had some good quality wins the other way. Uh, they had a, the big blowout victory against Minnesota, which, of course, is sort of memorable for that Michael Robinson hit on the poor Minnesota defender. Um, you know, of course, uh, the, the blowout at Illinois, they took care of business against Wisconsin with a with a classic game. Uh, number 10 Penn State at the time taking on the number 14 ranked Badgers in Happy Valley in uh, early November. 35 to 14 victory. That really kind of set the tone. And then uh, the following week or I'm sorry, two weeks later, they go on the road against uh, Michigan State and wrap up the Big Ten title in East Lansing. Go on, take that Big Ten crown into the Orange Bowl. Meanwhile, you know, they had climbed up to number five by the time that they played that Michigan State game. They would go to the Orange Bowl as the number three team in the country. Now, you know, the number three team in the country taking on number 22 Florida State. We all kind of knew that you know, there was going to be no chance that Penn State was going to make a case for a national championship because they had lost a game and Texas and USC were clearly the two best teams that year. And they were they they were they were well ahead of where Penn State was. And Penn State was a really good team. Uh, Penn State was number three, and they were really good in that 2005 season. Don't think they would have been anywhere close to where USC and Texas were at that point, though. But it is one of those questions. You know, what if Penn State did win that game at Michigan? Is there a chance there could have been an argument for Penn State in that national championship game? I want to hear from you guys because this is going to be a topic that we'll be discussing in uh, the podcast in the next couple of weeks. I don't know exactly when, but let me know what you guys genuinely think. Do you think if Penn State were 12-0 or Penn State was 12-0 in that season, or I guess 11-0 at the time, uh, if they had gone through that 2005 regular season undefeated, would they have been worthy? Would they have worked their way into the BCS equation to get into that national championship game? 
I still don't think they would have because, like I said, USC and Texas were clearly superior teams that season. And that's not just hindsight saying that. They were just clearly heads and shoulders above everybody else in the country that season. And that's why they put on such a classic Rose Bowl performance. But if Penn State uh, was going to make a case, obviously they would have had that win the game at, at Michigan. Would that have been enough? Could they have wiggled their way into some BCS controversy? I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to think. How do you think Penn State in 2005 would have fared on the field against USC or Texas? Do you think that they would have had a puncher's chance? You know, maybe they would defensively. Uh, I don't know offensively against either of those team teams. I don't know if it would have been enough, but I would uh, certainly I would love to have seen it. But of course, uh, again, I'm not going to say that Penn State was better than either USC or Texas that year. But I want to hear from you guys. Would you have thought that Penn State could potentially work their way into that BCS equation if they didn't lose that one darn game at Michigan? Hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can leave our messages on Facebook as well at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. From my standpoint, I think Penn State has done a pretty decent job over the last week or so of putting out some coaches, making them available through the use of Zoom, which again, seems to be what everybody is doing these days. And I definitely got to get more involved with the Zoom moving forward. Maybe we'll have a Zoom call with all you guys. I don't know. <laughs> but I do think that Penn State has done a pretty good job given all the circumstances that everybody's dealing with right now and utilizing that technology to put coaches, assistant coaches, and head coach James Franklin out in front of the media, get give them a chance to address uh, some questions that are certainly out there and really get to know some of these new assistant coaches or and get to get reacquainted with some coaches that maybe have a new position. So I think that Penn State has been doing a pretty good job with that, and I think that that may eventually be something that should continue uh, moving forward for as long as we're doing this social distancing thing right now. But on Thursday, of course, uh, Athletics Director Sandy Barber was the one who got a chance to step in front of the webcam and give her a chance to answer some questions that a lot of people are having right now. Again, these are questions that every campus is really trying to deal with right now. There's a lot of uncertainty going on with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, uh, shutting that basically everything down. Uh, you know, odds are, if you're listening to this, you're probably isolated at home or maybe you're working from home again. I, I feel for you. I really do. And I'm glad that we're at least hopefully giving you a little bit of a distraction from all that. But you know, certainly if you are in charge of an athletics program at a major university like Penn State, there is a lot of there's a lot at stake by everything that eventually gets canceled. So uh, Sandy Barber got a chance to address some of those questions and a, a couple quick points, uh, just kind of takeaways from what she was saying. And, and I'm not going to quote her exactly. I may paraphrase slightly, but the basic gist is uh, there's still a priority in getting a football season together in some capacity. And I think that that's very key there because we don't really know what's going to happen with the upcoming season. I know I've talked at length about the, the different scenarios that have been explored out there or at least discussed to certain degrees such as playing games in the summer, playing the games in the spring, you know, maybe canceling a couple weeks uh, during the regular season so we still have the fall. Are fans going to be there? We don't know. These are all questions that nobody really knows right now. But I think as far as Sandy Barber and what she is planning and what the, the school is hoping to be able to plan is to still have a football season in the fall. And she's very 
uh, open and admitting that there could potentially be some changes. There could potentially be some modifications to the schedule. What those would be, we don't know yet, but basically everything is on the table and they're not going to eliminate anything just yet. They still want to move forward with the intent of playing a college football season in the fall. I think that's the proper way to go about it, but you got to have those contingencies ready to go if you need them. That's something I've been saying time and time again when we're talking about the potential changes to the upcoming college football season. Go ahead and plan it as if it's going to go on as scheduled right now, but make sure you have all your bases covered if you have to make any options <laughs> along the way, such as moving games or eliminating games, whatever the case may be. Uh, obviously, there's a lot at stake that needs to be cleared before we even get to the point where we can have football. But if we're going to go ahead and these next couple months, we should at least be planning on playing the games as currently scheduled because there are commitments that need to be made there if the green lights are there for the football season to kick off. And, and again, that is still obviously the hope there because first of all, just having a football season and whenever it's going to be played, however it's going to be played is still very important for Penn state and a number of other schools. And that was something that uh, Sandy Barber also reflected on. Obviously Penn state is, has a big revenue uh, source with football. And if there is no football, the, the finances moving forward, take a significant hit. And they're always are already going to be doing that because the NCA distributions are far less this year or for the coming fiscal year than they were before because there was no NCAA men's basketball tournament. And if you don't have football, that is a serious loss of revenue. And Penn State's playing one of those non-conference games this year on the road at Virginia Tech. So just you know, kind of throw that in there as well. Uh, all these things come into play uh, as far as putting together the revenue. She did say that as far as the upcoming fiscal see, uh, the fiscal year, Penn State's going to be in good shape. There's you know, regardless of what happens uh, for the upcoming fiscal year, they're okay. The more pressing concern will be what happens in the next fiscal year for 2021. That's where the hits could start to be really noticed. Uh, as far as right now, Sandy Barber says that Penn State is still fully committed to fielding all, I think, 31 varsity sports on campus. There's no talk, at least right now, of eliminating any of those. And we're already starting to see those hits come at some other universities that don't, don't necessarily have those resources. You know, Ricky Ronnie's new school down in Old Dominion, they just cut their wrestling program. So those are the kind of sacrifices that some schools are going to have to take. Now, hopefully that, that's just a temporary cut and maybe they'll be able to bring that program back when they're on a little bit more stable ground. Uh, but for a school like Old Dominion, <laughs> these are really tough times right now because they don't have the same kind of revenue resources that a school like Penn State does. So Penn State, at least for the upcoming fiscal year, they're okay, says Sandy Barber, the, but they'll have to just keep a close eye on what happens uh, in the coming year and how that's going to impact the next fiscal year. Uh, moving over to basketball, uh, the conversation about Pat Chambers continues to be ongoing. There still seems to be uh, lots of positivity in um, expecting that there will be some kind of a contract extension. I know Pat Chambers is hoping that that ends up being the case, and I think he's deserving of it. I think he had a fantastic season, even though that didn't end on a great note uh, with the way the regular season ended. And then, of course, not getting a chance to redeem themselves in a Big Ten tournament because it was canceled. And, of course, the NCAA tournament. I still think uh, the season overall, it's hard not to like what was done there. So I, I think a contract extension for Pat Chambers is probably going to be pretty obviously coming. <laughs> I just don't know what those terms would be, what the timeline is going to be. I don't know if everything that's going on right now puts that on the back burner or anything. 
uh, because those are negotiations that can still be taking place over a phone call, text messages, Zoom. Uh, so I, I don't think that everything that's going on right now is necessarily going to hold up the Pat Chambers situation moving forward. So I think the men's basketball program, Pat Chambers, uh, they'll get that sorted out. And they obviously, uh, they don't need to get it done tomorrow. Uh, but I do think that it does seem as though, according to Sandy Barber, that th those negotiations are still going in a positive direction. Doesn't look like there's going to be any turmoil there. So that's all good to hear. Uh, again, the big takeaways, I think for most of us will probably be that they are still hoping to get a full football season in with as little modification as possible. Uh, that is certainly the plan moving forward. Oh, the other thing that she did mention, and I think it was asked to her, is how long do you need to have set aside in order to prepare for the football season? That's something that James Franklin was talking about recently in his Zoom call. Uh, they're trying to figure out how much time they needed. Well, Sandy Barber had an update on that. She said that they need about a 60-day window in order to prepare for the football season. So you're looking at two months to prepare for a football season, uh, both as far as the, the football program is concerned off the field and certainly what you're going to be putting in on the work on the practice field and the weight room, the film room, all that good stuff. And of course, uh, you know, just getting the, the stadium ready <laughs> for uh, the, the masses of people that are going to be coming uh, because there's going to be a lot of precautions that you're probably going to have to do with Beaver Stadium uh, in order before you open those gates for fans to come in. Uh, and I'm sure that Penn State's going to be checking off all those things. Uh, the one other thing that uh, Sandy Barber did say that the ongoing uh, plans to renovate the Lash football building, they can, they're still continuing. Obviously, any construction is not going to be on the, the agenda for right now. Uh, construction in Pennsylvania is pretty much shut down with a few exceptions here and there. Obviously, uh, life essential constructions can continue. Uh, this is not a life essential construction. Uh, I do know that there are a couple exemptions that have been made in Pennsylvania for construction. I know this because I, I kind of work in that industry a little bit for my day job. Uh, I know New Jersey has uh, more construction projects open right now, uh, and New York has a couple exemptions as well. They're still trying to figure out uh, what the status for the Carrier Dome is up there because they're renovating their football stadium slash basketball arena. Uh, they already deflated the roof, but it uh, looks like they're fighting to be able to continue that construction. But as far as the, the last football renovations and, and any other athletic facility renovations, they can still go ahead with the planning and designs and all that good stuff because you can do that from the comfort of a home office. And the people that are doing this at Populous, uh, I'm sure they're working hard on this kind of stuff, uh, even in their own isolation or work from home situations that they're in. So there you go. Sandy Barber had a lot to say, obviously still planning, moving forward, hoping that the football season will be relatively uh, go, good to go. And we'll continue to monitor that process as always. And we'll kind of relay that any back, any information and updates that we get on that. So, oh man, I'm just jumbling my words now. Now it's probably a good time to take a break and we'll come back and we're going to say some nice things about the Ohio State Buckeyes. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Nittany Lions is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Penn State fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Penn State fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. 
Local fans love to support local businesses, especially in times like these. So text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, it's hard to believe we have already reached the finish line of this series, the segment series that is sweeping the podcast nation. It is the final installment of saying nice things about Big Ten teams. And today we take a look at the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, as a Penn State person, you may feel a little reluctant to praise Ohio State, given the fact that a lot of Ohio State's success over the years has come at the expense of Penn State, especially in the last few years. When Penn State has had some really good teams, it seems like Ohio State just has a slightly better team or maybe a much better team, but Penn State plays them really competitively. And to me, I, I think you have to praise or at least acknowledge the work that was done under Urban Meyer. But you know what? It goes back further than that. You know, Jim Tressel, you know, despite how he left as the head coach of the Buckeyes, he put together a program that really returned to being the dominant force in the Big Ten. Remember, when Penn State came into the Big Ten, Ohio State had a couple of really good years and Michigan had a couple of really good years. Penn State had a really good year in 1994. But there wasn't really a consistently dominant Ohio State presence in the Big Ten. You remember, Illinois played in the Rose Bowl one year, right? So I think we can say that uh, the, the Ohio State was always a good team. Uh, they were not necessarily a great program for a while while Penn State joined the Big Ten back in 1993. Yes, Ohio State certainly gave Penn State some frustrations out in Columbus, and, and Ohio State generally had the upper hand on Penn State, but they weren't they weren't necessarily a national title contender the way that they've evolved to. And I believe that this started more so with Jim Tressel, who kind of uh, reestablished the foundation of what Ohio State was going to be all about. Certainly improved what they were able to do recruiting-wise, and they generally were a program that was going to land some of the top recruiting classes. And I think that that uh, increased a little bit more in Ohio State's favor under Jim Tressel. He certainly brought in some really uh, star-studded classes and some really high-talented recruits. Uh, of course, we all remember the Terrell Pryor, uh, the sweepstakes going Ohio State's way. Um, but of course, I, I think it would be naive to say that Urban Meyer didn't take everything that Jim Tressel had worked on and kicked it up a few notches. When Ohio- when Urban Meyer went to Ohio State, it was a match made in heaven. It, it really was. It was a perfect pairing for both schools, or for both sides. Ohio State uh, got a, a national championship caliber head coach, a guy that had won two BCS national titles with Florida, one of them at Ohio State's expense. And, of course, Urban Meyer, uh, his deep connection to Ohio State, his his love for the, the Buckeyes, and still continues to this day if you follow him on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, there was no question that he brought – a different mentality to everything that Ohio State had been doing. It wasn't necessarily going against the grain. It was really just kind of uh, improving on the foundation and the formula that was working for Ohio State. That meant bringing in some even better athletes. You know, the, the kind of the kind of athletes that Ohio State you know, really uh, struggled against in those BCS titles against Florida and LSU. Urban Meyer was bringing those guys to Ohio State, and you see seen. 
uh, since Urban Meyer was hired at Ohio State, uh, the athleticism of the Buckeyes has really uh, been kicked up a few notches. And it certainly helps that you, they have a tremendous coaching staff. They, they always have, especially under Urban Meyer. Uh, they certainly have the resources. They certainly put in the money to invest in their coaching staff, uh, as you would expect from a program like Ohio State. And, you know, you know revenue-wise, Penn State and Ohio State, they're not that far off, I don't believe. I, I if I'm mistaken, feel free to correct me. But, you know, I think as far as resources are concerned, Penn State and Ohio State are kind of playing in the same playing field. Ohio State just seems to be a couple notches ahead uh, for whatever reason. Maybe they've got the more updated facilities. I, I don't know what the case may be. But, uh, and it, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion. But I do think that Urban Meyer changing the way that Ohio State recruited talent uh, certainly has paid dividends. And that's why they are genuinely uh, the team to beat in the Big Ten year in and year out. doesn't mean that they can't be beaten. We've seen that. But they are going to have uh, the, the, the best all-around roster uh, position by position, I think, for the most part, you know, any given week that they take the field. And that's why it is tough for programs like Penn State and Michigan to beat Ohio State or regularly beat Ohio State. We've seen Penn State can play Ohio State very competitively. I don't think over the last few years, certainly under James Franklin, I don't think there's been a Big Ten team that has played Ohio State more consistently than Penn State has, uh, home or away. I, I think that that's probably empirical evidence. <laughs> Maybe it's anecdotal evidence, I should say, but it just feels like that's been the case. And I think that that goes into uh, Ohio State changing the way that some of these teams around the Big Ten have been recruiting. You know, James Franklin came from the SEC as well, so maybe he's not recruiting at the same level that Urban Meyer and now Ryan Day to this day have been, but he has certainly uh, taken some of the lessons that he has learned from coaching in the SEC and going up against that kind of talent and athleticism on a regular basis at a school like Vanderbilt. He was always going to be shorthanded, uh, but I think that he has brought some of that same energy to what Penn State has been doing recruiting. So. I think Ohio State hiring Urban Meyer really raised the, the bar for everybody in the Big Ten, not just Ohio State, but for Penn State. You know, Michigan goes out and gets Jim Harbaugh, and uh, that hasn't necessarily panned out the way that they were hoping it would. But as I said the other day, Michigan is doing a lot of really good things. They just can't beat Ohio State, and that comes back to bite them in a big way because of that rivalry. But I think if you look at what has happened with the Big Ten over the last few years, I think Ohio State has been leading the charge and everybody catching up to Ohio State has made this conference better. So I I laud Ohio State for many things with when it comes to the way that they have operated and the way that they amass talent. I, I joked the other day when the NCAA extended this dead period, I, I joked that I look forward to seeing Ohio State uh, grab two or three more five-star players during the dead period because that's probably going to happen if you look at the way that they've been recruiting. It's just head and shoulders above what everybody else in the Big Ten is doing. And that's why they will have the, the favorite status going into another Big Ten season whenever it may happen. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nittany Lines podcast. And we put another week in the books. We had an episode every day for you this week as you're sitting at home in isolation or working from home. Again, we're going to try and keep these shows coming for you, keep you entertained, keep you informed as well. as so you have an idea of what's happening out there and when we may be able to get back to talking some Penn State football with some actual on-the-field discussion. But we do have a lot of good shows coming up for you in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be taking a look back at some of the top seasons in school history. Should be a lot of fun, and I want to hear from you guys as well. So let us know what your favorite seasons have been. 
The best way to do that is to connect with us on Twitter. Make sure you follow now because we're going to have some fun on that Twitter feed over these next couple weeks. That is at LockedOnNittany. And, of course, check us out and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and all your favorite podcasting apps. Rate, review. We genuinely appreciate that feedback, and the support does go a long way to help us out moving forward. And, of course, we do have the YouTube channel, so go to YouTube and search for Locked On Nittany Lions. Right now, we've got some audio clips from past episodes, and uh, we may have some more fun with that in the future as well. Stay tuned if you're an Instagram fan. Might be an announcement coming up next week. So a lot of things in the works right now, even though there's not a whole lot going on. We're going to try and stay active. We're going to strike, try to keep you entertained in as many different ways as possible. And I've got some good plans coming up very soon. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my national college football coverage on AthlonSports.com and college football talk on NBCSports.com. I'll be working this weekend, so I'll be around. So make sure you uh, hit me up on Twitter anytime at KevinOnCFB. We can have some fun on the Twitter machine at any time. Well, this episode may be over. Don't worry. There's plenty more on the Locked On Podcast Network. Tell your smart speaker at home to play the Draft Dudes podcast on the Tuned In app, and you'll get some more NFL draft conversation to help keep the fill up because the NFL draft is still going on. So make sure you catch up on all the draft buzz by checking out the Draft Dudes right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's it for me, guys. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Go 1-0. Go 1-0 every day this weekend. Stay home. Stay safe. And, of course, wash your hands. I'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend.